have I got a story to tell. One you may know very well. It is angels, magi, and stars so bright on the holiest of holiest that first Christmas night. It's about hoping that good dreams we've long had will come true. It's a love story from heaven, a love story written for you. With much anticipating and a long time waiting for that day so elating to finally be here. So without further ado, come, let me take you to the manger where all the hopes and dreams of the world will come true. Look, here comes Blessed Mary and her faithful husband Joseph. They've been traveling a long way from their little town of Nazareth. The days have been tough, the road has been hard, but finally up ahead, Bethlehem sits not too far. God told Mary she was going to have a little baby, a sweet and perfect baby boy, and it's almost time for him to come and give the world great joy. And after such a long trip, she is most ready to rest, but all the rooms in the inns of this tiny town are taken, but one innkeeper does his best. He had no room in his inn. They were already packed to the brim. Like them, many have traveled so far from the census that Caesar demanded so he could boast and raise his taxes. But what he had he gave, he was sorry it wasn't much. It was his stable where the animals sleep tonight. Maybe they can help him keep them warm and such. So they went to the stable. And there Mary and Joseph were able to thank God for providing them some place and some peace. It was going to be a good story for the ages at least, because there amongst oxen and donkeys and rams, amongst strange noises and strange smells, was born the great I Am. God's holy perfect lamb, a baby boy, heaven's joy, the savior of all man. Jesus, God's only son, the perfect gift for a weary world. Jesus, God intended him for the manger, then so much more. Jesus, like a light in the darkness, he came to make hopes real. Jesus, he would be for all people, and we'll start with some shepherds and sheep in the field. Come all you shepherds, come now. Now's the time to tend to our flocks through the cold, cold dark night. Come all you shepherds, we need you in the fields here. The sheep are bleeding to, for their shepherd to come near. Come shepherds, come. We work hard to protect our sheep. And when the night comes, we'll still be working, even as we sleep, on the cold, cold ground. There are wild animals all around, so we have to keep watch to make sure our sheep do not wander or get taken away. That's how we devote our lives each day. We are shepherds, and although we are very, very poor, we must be worth so much more than the dirt we sleep in on the floor. Because, well, wait and see. Heaven is appearing, a chorus to sing of the birth of a baby, Jesus, King of kings. So come, angels, come, angels, for from every corner of heaven come. Come, angels, the Lord has summoned his heavenly host to announce this holy little one. Come, angels, we must tell the world of this gift God has given us to mankind. Come now, angels, come and ready yourself to sing praises to God and the Most High. Hark ye heralds, the heart of... Hark ye herald angels, the heart of heaven has taken on humanity. God's love for all the eye can see. Born this day, just a tiny baby. But his love is huge, and we must say it loud. God himself to the earth has come down. We are the first in time to tell this timeless story of God taking off his glory and walking in his own story. 
Ready? Are you ready? Watch and you will see. Nothing will ever be the same after this declaration we are making. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. In Bethlehem, a baby is born, and he's so much more than just a little boy. He is for all the people. He has been born for you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and come come and see him, all of you. God wants to see us, shepherds. He wants us to be He wants us to see the birth of his son. But who are we that God would want us to greet the Holy One? We are poor, nothing great. Could this gift really be for everyone? Are you sure he wants us to come to the manger? Jesus is a gift for all people, so don't be a stranger. He's just over there, born poor, just like you, in a stable. All, all who are able come to the manger. Shepherds, now go. Go to Bethlehem and see the gift of love sent from above that God has given to you and me. Come to the manger with me. So, see, so these poor shepherds came. God himself invited them to see. His gift for all people, they came on bended knee, and Mary delighted to share Jesus with them. He, will, he would grow strong and love all people, even the poorest like him. And on that first Christmas day in a land far away, some wise men stood gazing at the sky. Far a star shone most bright, the holiest of nights over Bethlehem, and these magis wonder why. Could this be? Was it true? I've heard about this. A light sent from heaven. We cannot dismiss this sign and a chance to go see this little baby. Born the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah most holy. He is the one who will save all there is to save. Come, we must go, though it may be a long way. So come, all ye magi. Come, all who are wise enough to make the journey. And see heaven's eyes in the face of a child who gives love without bias to all nations, to all people. See the star like heaven's steeple. So come, magi, come. We have a long journey ahead. Come, Magi, come. The road will be our bed until we lay our head and our gifts at the feet of this little king. Come, all who are wise, and we will bring the very best we have to offer. We will empty our coffers, and still, could we ever bring enough treasures to honor such a king? So these Magi from far away, though the journey was so long, packed up their best gifts to bring to Jesus and went on and on for days upon days and weeks upon weeks until finally in Bethlehem they found what they were, went to seek. A sweet little boy, heaven's heart, the world's joy. A tiny little king who would bring peace to all from the very greatest to the very least. We bring gold. We bring frankincense. We bring precious myrrh. We bring all that we have to honor this Savior. We lay down our gifts at this tiny treasure's feet. Come, Magi, lay down your gifts here. Do not keep anything from Jesus that you have to give. All who are wise, give your treasures. And when every treasure is given, then give how you live your life every day. Live your life like the treasure you are, a treasure of God's to give away. Jesus, the name that holds the weight of a world. Jesus, the hope of every man, woman, boy, and girl. Like a light in the darkness, God's Son humbly came. Like a light in great darkness, he carried the name of God to the orphans, the lonely, and the lame. He brought hope to the hopeless, and he can do the same. To those still walking in darkness who call upon his name. The dark is so dark. The light is so dim. Thank God for the star that guides us to him. Darkness, emptiness, loneliness, fear. All who want the light to shine on them to come here. To the manger, come follow the light that breaks the darkness, dark, darkest darkness. On this holiest of nights. So come stars, come stars. It's our turn to shine. We will not let darkness hide this little light of mine. 
Come stars to the manger, be the light in the darkest places. We'll shine bright and share the light across all the faces. Of those who look to the heavens, this love born tonight erases any traces of darker ages. That first Christmas night, a single star showed the way to Jesus, proving one star, one little light, ultimate frees us from the darkness all around us. This little light of mine can brightly shine, leading others to Jesus. So stars stand and shine brightly on Christmas Day, and every day after then, we are a bright city on a hill, on a hill, not easily hidden. Be the light of Jesus wherever you may go, and guide those walking in the dark to come to the manger, to come home. So now you've heard the story you may have heard before of shepherds, of angels. Of Magi. Of stars. And Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And I'm pretty sure it will not be the last time you hear this story of God's glory born in Bethlehem. The story of God come down, born to be our friend. He came for the poor. He came for the rich. And everyone in between. He came to bring light to a dark, dark world. He came for you and for me. Jesus came for all people that first Christmas day. Those who were nearby... Or far, far away. Jesus came to show God's love walking around on the earth. So on Christmas Day, we joyfully celebrate God's gift, his birth. So come, shepherds. Come, angels. Come, magi. Come, stars. Come, however, wherever, whoever you are, with God, you are never a stranger. So come, everyone. Come to the manger.
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven uh, on earth and peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them, And gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds, the glorious moment. I'd been to Bethlehem, I think I shared last year in the uh, Christmas Eve services when I save up all my best little stories about Christmas for Christmas Eve. But I've been there, but I wanted to get into the scene of the manger, but it was too packed with people. It was bustling, it was crazy. But the guide who had taken us from the borders, we swapped from Israel into the territories, I... Um, came on board and he would say, don't you worry, don't you worry, you'll see the manger, you'll see the manger, don't you worry. Uh, We couldn't get in the church, but I know somewhere very special. He took us all the way down underneath the church and and there he said, I'm taking you to a door. So we went to a door. I thought, I'm going to get a back entrance into the birthplace of Jesus. But no, It was a little hole drilled in the door that I had to look through and see the manger. So I travelled 8,000 miles across the world to try and see Jesus in the manger. And I had to look through a little hole and go, wow, this sucks. Honestly, this is rubbish. I came all the way to Bethlehem to look at the birthplace of Jesus through a little spy hole. And this was disappointing to me. But, and, uh, but I can honestly tell you that if I built my whole pilgrimage upon looking through a spy hole at the birth of Jesus, then my faith would lack something. My faith would be weak. My faith would be would be two-dimensional because I can gaze at the glory of God because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I can. I can gaze at that glory. I can see that manger, not just in the physical, but I can see it in the spiritual. And when we think of the shepherds, 
<clears throat> and we went out and we'd gone to a little, a little chapel. And this is the chapel which used to be a cave. And this is the cave where the shepherds slept, you see. So we gathered in. It was felt a bit contrived, but good fun. And we gathered in. We sang Silent Night, a little awkward. And, and the guy just saying, come on, sing, sing Silent Night. So I, I had a tendency on my Israel trip to wander off. And so I wandered off and I walked down a little pathway and I looked across Bethlehem and I saw the rolling hills of Bethlehem. That was the greatest moment ever. Because the one thing I did know was on those hills, an angel appeared and a glorious choir and God spoke to the world through his angelic visitation to the lowly shepherds. And who of us do not love that pastoral scene? That scene of rolling hills, that scene of where they would have been there protecting their sheep, that scene of knowing God had come to the world and declared it to the shepherds. The first thing I notice, and I love seeing the shepherds on the stage, that was, that was so cute, and then the stars and everything, I love that, that moment that we created, and all the kids shuffling around, and, and the shepherds over here, and the kings not quite knowing what they were doing uh, with this. I mean, they hadn't rehearsed, and, um, and uh, it was brilliant. Uh, but, but the shepherds, and we can miss some really powerful thoughts about the shepherds when we just think of them as kind of, of individuals wearing tea towels. Far more and far better than that. See, first of all, I want you to know four things that I'm going to aim to share with you briefly. Number one, the shepherds heard well. Number two, they heard the message about peace to all men. Number three, the message about fear not. And number four, the word behold. And first of all, I want you to notice that they heard well. The angel appeared and suddenly they knew that God had a message for them and God spoke to them and they listened well. They went and followed and they found themselves in that place where the manger, where the feeding trough was. And there they gathered and they worshipped and they honoured God and they heard well. And then they went to all others and they told them about the glorious thing they experienced and the marvellous event that had taken place within history that had changed the world. And these shepherds, these lowly, uh, poorest peasants went and they, they, they celebrated that suddenly God's kingdom had entered the world. And it is a challenge in the 21st century that you may be aware of the Christian message, but because often we do not listen and we do not hear it well. We do, we can miss it. Now, I have been told in my family at times that I don't always listen well. (laughs) Often, uh, my wife will tell me, and now I have grown up daughters that all three of them will tell you. It's like being at an IMAX cinema when they start talking to me. (laughs) They tell me, Dad, you're not listening. Dad. You didn't hear a word I said. Darling, did you hear anything I said? And of course, I try and fake it. Oh, yeah. What did I just say? Oh. (laughs) Gentlemen, you know the experience, right? You do. 
It seems that we cannot do two things at the same time. I'm not hearing. Why? Because I don't know. There's a hockey match in my brain going on. There's a cocktail party going forward. There's something going on. I'm not hearing. I have to be in the present. I have to try and listen. One of my daughters gets deeply offended at me. And he's like, this is, you know, dad, dad, I've got to listen. I know I've got to listen. I've got to listen. And the problem is, is that very much in our lives, spiritually, the real truth about the growth in our Christian walk is learning to listen really well to the message that God has for us in our life. The shepherds listened profoundly. And they acted. Now, they did have an angel appear that would make you listen. And then they, not only an angel, but they had the Brooklyn Choir, the Cambridge Choir, and, and all the glorious choirs of the world rolled up in one, appeared, and as some translations said, thousands of angels appeared in front of them. That was quite a show. But you may have experienced church and experienced times when you've gone to church of boredom. You may have thought the sermon was more like a lecture at university than just of anything that was alive or relevant to you. You may have thought at times that, that the church seems drab and dull. But I want to tell you that even though the methods of the church at times may feel a little dull to you, I want to say to you that you should take notice of the message because the message is so profound and so life-changing. The day you meet Jesus, your life changes completely. It is complicated. You have the Bible that is made up of so many generations, so many books. It has so many glorious messages of history and poetry and biography. It is God-breathed. It is God-given. It is authoritative. It is powerful. It is glorious. It is alive. But I would encourage you in your journey, I would encourage you that you would look Clearly at the message. Because God has given us two beautiful things. God has given us the Bible where we can learn and understand God. And God has given us the Holy Spirit so we can experience and we can hear what God is saying to us in our life now. And like the shepherds, we need to learn to hear well what God is saying to us. And we need to learn to become attentive to God's voice within our lives and respond to that. And the shepherds were attentive. They heard well. It was glorious. And I, I am afraid sometimes in the Christian circles that for some reason and for many reasons that we are no longer a listening people that hear what God is saying to us. That we often... Because of the method of communication, sometimes we cannot really look seriously at the content of the message. And when you look seriously at the content of the message, you realize that the message has the power to transform and to change your life. So powerfully. So they heard well. But, but reversing through this scripture, if I may... 
as we reverse through it, we know that they heard well, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I love this way of Mary listening. She pondered them within her heart. We have lost the ability to ponder. What does the word ponder mean in the Greek? Well, in the ancient text, simply the word ponder means to place in context and to connect things together and to allow those things to connect and come together so you gain a far deeper, profound understanding. The glory in pondering, the glory in understanding, the glory in knowing and taking these truths and allowing them to ponder, allowing them to connect, allowing them to change you in your heart is the most glorious thing about my relationship with Jesus Christ. That he takes something. You see, let me explain this to you. And I train pastors, I talk to pastors in this way. Here we have a verse. And I say to them, go and study this verse. Study it for 30 minutes. And as you study it for 30 minutes, you'll think, you know, that you'll get your, your first few things in the first few minutes because you know what the text is saying. But spend 30 minutes pondering on it and thinking about it and looking at it. And you will discover things that you never saw, but you have to push through. You have to go farther. You have to go deeper. So they go away and they, they ponder, they think through the scripture and they write down 30 points that have affected them or they spoke. And they come back and say, okay, you've, you've listened to this text, you've listened to this scripture. Now as you've listened to it, did God profoundly speak to you? And yes, the response is overwhelming. And then I'll say, did he speak to you that nugget, that amazing thing that you never expected in the first five minutes? Nobody puts their hand up. In the first 10 minutes, you certainly got some points in the first 10 minutes, of course. In the first 15 minutes, well, you said, when did the profoundness come? And they often will say, after about 20 minutes or 25 minutes of pondering, suddenly a whole world opened up and connected and saw things that they never expected to see and and heard God in a way that they never expected God to hear in that beautiful, in that profound, in that pondering way because they, they went farther and they went deeper and they lingered more and they pondered more on the mystery and the truth of God and suddenly it opened up and suddenly the connection and started to change them and they saw beyond they had ever seen before. But we are losing the ability to even ponder and sit and hear God's glorious voice speaking to us through the gift of scripture within our lives because we're simply not thinking 
not pondering. It's like those amazing coats. The, the way that, to explain the kind of Greek concept here, I, I was thinking about this. You know those coats that you get from North Face and you go and they're like, they're like really small and they come in a little package about this big, but they're like made of space age material that you can start to pull out. And these, these, this little package pulls and pulls and becomes this coat, Yeah. And they're about $400, $500. I love them. M- Michelle is here. I'd love it as my Christmas present. <laughs> and you go, oh, there's more, there's more. And I go into North Face shop and I, 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 I get the little package and I start pulling it out and I put it out. And you put this material on and it protects you from everything. You know, you can go on top of Everest and the wind will not go through this material. You can go to the coldest streets of, of Winnipeg and you will live. You can, you, can, you can experience, it is immense. Truly, a live bullet could be deflected by its power. And I can pay hundreds of dollars for this. And this is, putting that to the side... This is the beauty of when you ponder and connect on what God is saying to you through Scripture. You start to open a little bit and then more and then a whole world opens up. We have lost the ability, like Mary, to ponder. To ponder. What does the Bible tell us? In Psalms 19, of course, in verse... 10, it says, what does it say? It says, thy, thy word, thy word is so, is so profound. It is like, what is it like? It is like gold. No, no, no. It is not just like gold, the psalmist says. It is like pure gold. And there seems to be that he's realizing, he says, your, your, your word is so precious. It is like Sweet honey. No, no, it's not like sweet honey. It's like the honey cone. Yeah? It's, it's like lovely vanilla ice cream. No, no, it's not. It's like haagen ice cream. <laughs> it's like going through Dairy Queen and getting a score bar blizzard ice cream. It is, it is far better. You see, the psalmist seems to go from just gold to pure gold. The psalmist seems to go from a spoonful of honey to the honeycomb. And often when we learn to ponder and we learn to treasure, we go from just gold to pure gold. We go from just honey to the honeycomb. What am I trying to say in this? I'm trying to say that the glorious tradition of the Christian faith to ponder on the truth of the word of God, it's transforming power to take a verse, to take away, is to take us on a journey. In Psalm 119, he says, thy, thy, thy word, your law comes from your mouth and it is like nuggets of silver and gold. And when you go deeper in God, when you go farther in God, it is like nuggets of silver and gold within your life. Hearing well means to go deeper. 
hearing well. You see, if we reverse on and says, but Mary treasured these things. The word treasure is actually an emotional word. It's the heart. That she went from not just thinking in her mind about these issues and contemplating, she went to her emotions and she treasured these things in her heart, in her heart and in her mind. As, as Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart. Now you'll find that when you ponder on the truth of God's message or take a scripture and live in it, You'll go from thinking about it and connecting to it to that scripture transforming your emotional heart. You've got a problem in an area of anger. You meditate on a scripture about anger and about peace. And after a while, God will show you so much about your life. And then God will move it from your mind to your heart and you will be transformed. You've got a problem about jealousy then you start to look at what it means to be generous and to be kind. And God will take that scripture and he will transform it from gold into pure gold in your life. He will transform it from a spoonful of honey to the honeycomb within your life. You will find nuggets of gold and silver, spiritual truth all around you. And no matter what you face in life, you will know that God's presence and God's power is with you. And how we need that revolution within our churches that we become a people who truly don't just go so far, but we move forward to the honeycomb. Maybe that for this year you will decide, that's what I want to do. I want to move forward. I want to move forward in what God is saying to us. And I have lost my scripture because I've changed the slide through magnificently using a part of... Anyway. Um, But Mary treasured these things up. But look what took place. They declared the sign. They told the message. But if we back up and we understand that when when the angel came... Spoke, do not be afraid, I bring you good news and cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find him wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared. Glory to God in the highest heaven on earth and peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. To step into this remarkable, beautiful, life-changing relationship I've been describing, experience the gold and the treasures of a relationship with God, you need peace with God. We need peace. 
Usually when we read the word peace in scripture, it means shalom. It means prosperity. It means favor. No, in this case, it actually means that we have stopped our enmity, our battle against God, and we've taken ourselves off the throne of our own lives, and we've said, I surrender my independence, and I choose to serve God, and I choose to put that flag up in my life and say, God, I surrender with to you. And when you surrender to God, suddenly peace will enter your life. It changes everything. There was a time when I was the king of my own life. There was a time that when I was king and ruled my own life, it meant the fruits of that was that I I battled with everybody else around me. Because when you live independently, you find that you fight with others around you. But when you surrender to God and end the war in your heart and say to God, I follow you, I serve you, I live for you, your whole life is utterly transformed. How is it transformed? Well, look at the words it says, fear not. Do not be afraid. The shepherds had good reason to be afraid Because if you read the Old Testament, every time angels turn up, it was bad news. It was like destruction and power. Every time the glory of the Lord turned up, you know, you didn't want to touch the Ark of the Covenant. You didn't want to go into the Holy of Holies. You didn't want to go into those places where God was because the very holiness of God would disintegrate you. So you can imagine what the shepherds were feeling. Angel, no, no. I'm going to be exterminated. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. We're not going to die. I bring you good news. Don't be afraid. When you have a relationship with Jesus, the war stops within your heart. The enmity is over. And suddenly, suddenly the power of fear is broken in your life. Fear is gone. And the reason fear is gone, the reason fear is gone because fear is rooted in the lie of the serpent at the fall. And before Adam and Eve enjoyed that beautiful, intimate, glorious relationship with God, there was no fear, there was no pain, there was no agony. But suddenly, suddenly, when the fall came, we received the serpent's lie. And the serpent's lie is this, that you cannot trust God with your life. But the kingdom truth is this, that when you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it drives fear away. And the closer you are to God, the more freedom comes into your life. Your relationship with God is the key to your deliverance of your fear within your life. Jesus Christ sets us free from all fear. Fear of death, fear of suffering, fear of agony, fear of bankruptcy, fear of whatever you fear within your life, fear of things that we cannot cope, that we cannot face in the future. There comes fear not because there is a Messiah. Fear not because a Savior has come to this world. And so... We learned that they heard well. We learned that it was peace to all men because we are no longer warring with God. 
We heard that we needn't be afraid because the Messiah has come. But in the modern translations, there's a word that is changed out of this. And of course, in the older translations, we have the word. And the word is this. A really special word. A glorious word. A word I have have so enjoyed getting to know and become familiar with this word. The word is this. Behold, for today, a Savior is born. Do you remember that word, behold? You see, in the modern translations, they now use it, they use the word see. See, John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God, as he was there in the wilderness and Jesus walked. Now, in the versions, it says, see, the Lamb of God. I feel sad about that, because there is actually a Greek word for beholding, It is that moment of seeing and perceiving, not just at a physical level, but at a spiritual level, when you behold God. You be, you be, and you hold God. And I believe that this is the way we should all aim to be within our walk with God that that glorious moment of intimacy and closeness, where we don't just see Christianity or see it, but we behold it at every level, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. We engage it. We behold God in our lives. And the danger with the church in the 21st century is that we have lost the ability and the glory and the mystery and the beauty of beholding the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the glory of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Messiah of all creation, the Good Shepherd, the Rock, the Redeemer. We have forgotten how to behold Him. And when we behold God, everything changes. That's why atheists become Christians. That's why people turn their lives around. Because they realize that this isn't an intellectual exercise of I'm now going to force myself to believe Christianity. No. You know that something is there. And you behold it. You see it. And Mary beheld. She treasured. She pondered. She saw. You may not be a Christian. You may have been brought here because, you know, maybe your kids were on the stage. And we're glad you're here. And honestly, if you were dragged here, you are allowed to have 12 cookies at the end. (laughs) Take the lot. Thanks for coming. Honestly, goodie bags, anything. I'm just glad you came. Thanks for coming. But what I want you to hear is this. That Christianity is more than just a belief system, a set of beliefs. It is a spiritual experience whereby you can ponder and go with places with God you never experienced. You can know the treasure of God transforming your life emotionally. And you can move from kind of just seeing this religious stuff to beholding it. Behold it. 
And this uh, coming Christmas, if you can do anything in your life, just take one verse that means a lot to you and stay there for 30 minutes and see what honeycomb comes from that scripture. See what pure gold erupts. I have taken your word 